Mary, Mary uh, sounding like Marge Simpson is not uh, my definition of sexy. I don't know what, what your... Ah, this is my sexy voice. Yeah. Oh, it's a, a blessed revolution, not a blessed union. They want a revolution. So it's going to be a blessed revolution as we talk about the Beatitudes. It'll be, it'll be good. It'll be good. Beatitudes are revolutionary. And uh, we have the audacity to think that it's actually... The whole Sermon on the Mount is something that we're supposed to live. Uh, there's places that say that that's not the case, but we think it is. Uh, just uh, before I get going here, uh, one thing is I, I, I honestly have a little... Have a, I feel like i got to confess a sin. Um, so I was going to the bathroom before service. That wasn't the sin. Um, but, yeah, you know, I don't know what it's like in those bathrooms, but in the bathrooms down in that hall, they're overrun with box elder bugs. We're being attacked by box elder bugs. Uh, they're all over the place. And there was one in the urinal. And, you know, I don't kill. I have a commitment not to kill anything. I, I want to respect life. But do I try to save it or not? And I, I, I didn't. And I'm wondering... Yeah, but if you were a box elder bug, you would wish I would have. I mean, come on. So next time, so, sorry, buddy. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then uh, we're going to be, uh, uh, make a note of this, on uh, the election day, I think it's November 6th, uh, we're going to have a communion service here. I just put that on your calendars, all right? Um, as uh, the country, it's going to be, half the country will be happy, and the other country, half of it will be sad, celebrating a president. We're going to celebrate our president. And our king, and we're going to come together and celebrate our union. So uh, there'll be a communion service right here on election night, and so uh, make that your election party. All right. And uh, uh, next Saturday night, uh, starting at eight thirty at the dugout, Andy Y will be playing. If you want to have some fun, raise some money for Haiti, feel free to come and have a good time. All right. I'm actually singing the Roadhouse Blues. Uh, yeah. Dun 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 dun. dun. What? I don't know the lyrics yet, but I will by next Saturday. <laughs> so we're looking at Colossians, and uh, we're looking at these first five verses of chapter 3, and they're fantastic. Uh, eye-opening passage uh, here. <clears throat> and we've been talking about how there's a surface truth and there's a deep truth. The surface truth is kind of how we normally look at life, our commonsensical view of the world, our boring view of the world. Our, we get used to everything. We walk through life half asleep. Uh, we see things on the surface. But there's a deeper truth. Uh, to reality. And once in a while, you wake up to this where you realize the wonder, the marvelous truth that there's something rather than nothing. And uh, you don't take anything for granted. And you see things as though for the first time. And you wake up to the beautiful mystery, uh, the sea that we're swimming in, this, this, this bizarrely beautiful reality that we're part of. Uh, the, the, just the, the beautiful oddness that there's matter and there's substance and there's time and there's space. And, and, and we're, we're real existing in them. And it's... Uh, you realize that the surface way of looking at things doesn't even capture a, uh, capture a fraction of the whole story. Uh, there's a much deeper reality. Then you get into the, the quantum particles and those entangled particles that are so bizarrely wonderful where they can be uh, light years apart from one another and yet they act like one particle. Uh, what you do to one is instantly done to the other. That concept of entanglement we've been uh, hitting on as our main metaphor, talking about our relationship with Christ. And the same thing is true about ourselves. There's a surface truth about us and there's a deep truth about us. The surface truth us is the us that we're used to. It's the us that we've largely inherited from the world. The us where our thought patterns are largely just repeating things that have been said to us and things that have been done to us. And it just kind of goes on autopilot. It's the half-awake us, uh, the boring us, the commonsensical us. But there is an us that is far deeper and far more beautiful. 
Uh, especially if you've surrendered to Christ and activated all these things that Christ did for all human beings. Well, then there's some just mind-boggling, beautiful things that are true uh, about us. And Colossians 3, 1 through 5, really captures some of the beauty of that uh, deeper reality. And so here's what it says. Colossians 3. Uh, it says, it says a men breakfast on October 8, uh, 8.30, so... I love those two happy guys up there. You can see how happy this breakfast is just by looking at those uh, pictures. All right, then. Since then you have been raised with Christ. That's a deeper truth. You were raised with him. Set your hearts on things that are above. All this passage is saying, here's what's true. Think about what's true. Set your heart on what is true. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, not on those surface true things. For, here's what's true, you died. And your life is now hidden. Crypto is the word there. We'll be talking about that in a second. You're, you are now hidden with Christ in God. So when Christ, who is your life, he is your life. That's a deeper truth about us. When he appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In glory. So the, the title of this message is The Unveiling of the Crypto You. The Unveiling of the Crypto You. I am Crypto You. I am Crypto Me. You'll see what that means here in a second. Oh, also, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to try to have some time for questions at the end of this. So as we're going through this, uh, would you put up, get you put the, question, uh, the number up there again? We have a new uh, PowerPoint system or whatever that's called, and uh, it's, it's funky. We haven't figured it out yet, so it does weird things to us. So if there's all sorts of, like last night was a nightmare because things go on, they go off, they appear, they don't appear, who knows? There it is. Um, so there's the number to, to text in uh, if you have a question. As I'm going through this, and we'll try to have uh, five, ten minutes at the end of the message uh, to take on some questions. All right? Pray with me here. Uh, Father, I, I, I just pray for everyone in this auditorium or listening through podcast, our blessed podrishioners and those watching through television. I, I, God, I, I just pray that you open the eyes of our heart and reveal truth, the, the deeper truth about who we are. Not just in an information way, but God, help us to see, to catch a vision of who we really are, who we really are. And God, to internalize who we really are and to begin to walk in who we really are. And and just to bask in the joy, beauty of who we really are because of who you are and what you've done for us. God, I just pray that that comes alive. I pray it's more than just uh, head knowledge. I, I pray it comes alive. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Give us faith. To see is a substantial reality all these beautiful truths. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 So there's a, a deeper truth to us, and it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling beautiful. We are entangled with Christ. Like those two entangled particles. So they function like one particle, even though, on a surface truth way, they're separated from one another. We've been entangled with Christ so that what happens to us happens to him and what happens to him happens to us. The part of us that happened to him is that he took our old self and he brought it with him to the grave. And so that old self, the old self is the, the, the part of us that, that is not aligned with Christ. Every aspect of our being that's out of line with the truth of, of who God is, that's our old self, that petty self, the jealous self, the hateful self, the bitter self, the violent self. That old self died 2,000 years ago when Christ died on the cross, went down into the grave. And uh, he did that for all human beings, but you have, to, you have to put your faith and trust in it for it to be activated in your life. 
And then if you have that faith, and what's also true is that you, you've been raised with him 2,000 years ago. Somehow, what happened to him happened to you. And so when he came out of the grave, you came out of the grave. And when he was seated in, in, in heavenly places, you were seated in heavenly places. When he was placed far above all principalities and powers, you were placed far above all principalities and powers. In fact, everything that's true about him becomes true about you. You're entangled with him. Like, like, like one person. So his righteousness is your righteousness. And his holiness is your holiness. And his love is your love. That's why what's also true is that his life is your life. It's no longer us that lives, but Christ who lives within us. Praise God. Marvelous uh, true truths about us. When you look past the surface truth, and grab hold of the, the deeper truth. It's just, your life is Christ. And what faith is about, we've seen, what faith is about is, is, is not just belief. A lot of people think faith is belief. So they think that if you just believe certain propositions, well, then you're saved. Yes, I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe. But see, that is not faith. And belief doesn't save you. Demons believe. <laughs> but but uh, faith is acting on the belief, a commitment to act on the belief. And the first act of faith is in our mind. So we look at Hebrews 11, which says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and a conviction of things not seen. The first act of faith is when uh, you, you set your mind, as Paul says, set your mind on things above, set your mind on the truth. And uh, it's, it, to set is a resolution. It's, a, it's not just a once in a while glimpse of something or a thought about something. It's rather a commitment to pursue this line of thought all the time. And faith is then grabbing hold of this truth that you believe to be true and now envisioning it as a substantial reality and running movies about it, soundtracks of it, entering into it and seeing yourself as that, as you're united with Christ. What do you look like when you really manifest the truth that Christ is your life and you envision that? And so I, I, I've challenged you the last couple of weeks and I hope you did that assignment that I, I gave last week. In fact, I'll give it again this week. Take at least three times a day, morning, noon, and night, where you envision the truth about you. What do you look like when you are a uniquely you version of Jesus? That's faith. And, and, and envision that and put it into situations where you're least like Christ. Where, do you, where are you most ungodly? Well, run that, run that memory and yet plug in the truth about you. What do you look like when you're a uniquely you version of Jesus in that situation? And, uh, and run that all the time. Get a vision of who you are. Uh, it's, it's part of getting a vision for who Christ is because you are entangled with Christ. And that's how we're transformed. According to your faith, be it unto you. But faith is a verb. Faith isn't something you just have and carry around in your pocket. No, faith is like a dream. If, if, if you have a dream, then you're dreaming. If you have faith, then you're faithing. Faith is a verb. So we're as faithful as we are doing this. If we're not practicing this, then we're not exercising faith, and it will do us absolutely no good whatsoever. The only way to break out of the surface truth you and to become the true you is through faith. That's why the New Testament is so big on faith. Faith is what saves us. Faith is, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's not belief. God's not interested in belief. He's interested in faith. And to have faith, you have to have belief. But having belief doesn't give you faith. Uh, we need to act on the faith, and that is first and foremost about envisioning it. And then it's about living it, having, having this on our minds, setting our mind and our hearts on things above, uh, thinking throughout the day about who we really are. And it really is, it really is a joy to do that. It's, I think it's fun. I just love just to envision that. It does something in your spirit. Some of you, I think, know that. If you've been practicing this, it, it, it affects you. It creates that leg cost 
uh, in Hebrews 11.1. 1, that, that conviction that it is so. And then you look for opportunities to live it out. As you're walking with this on your mind, just be looking for t- times to step into that and start acting, behaving according to the truth of who you really are. And that's how we're transformed and that's how the kingdom grows in our life and that's how the kingdom expands in the world. Well, we uh, last week looked uh, a little deeper at what it means to say that we're raised with Christ and seated with Him in heavenly places. Uh, Today I want to look at what it means to say that our life is hidden in Him. Crypto is the word. What what does that mean? Um, The word crypto means to be concealed, hidden, secured, or protected. And I have, in the last two weeks, been emphasizing the protection aspect of that. That uh, our life is hidden in, in, uh, with Christ in God in the sense that our true self is protected. Nothing can get to you. It's invulnerable. Even if you die, it doesn't affect the, the true you. So there's a, there's a protection aspect to it. But I want to today talk about the hiddenness aspect of it, the concealed aspect of it. We get the word cryptic uh, from this word which is a, means, uh, refers to a meaning that is secret, mysterious, or obscure. We also get the prefix crypto uh, from this. Uh, so we have uh, words like uh, cryptogram, which refers to gram, a message that is encrypted, that, that is uh, hidden. And usually a, a, a cryptogram is, is made for the purpose of, of protecting a message from eyes that you don't want to see it. So you put it in a code. But it's a hidden message. Or the word encrypt means to just tra- uh, translate something or, or convert something into a cryptogram, to put it into a, a secret, hidden, obscure uh, form so that the eyes that you don't want to see, see it uh, can't see it. To be hidden, to be concealed. What Paul is saying then in this passage is that our, our true self, the self that's entangled with Christ, uh, it is hidden. It's hidden in the sense that it's protected, but it's also hidden just in the sense that it's obscure. We don't manifest this true self completely here and now. Um, it, it's, there's a lot of things that conceal, that hide, that suppress that true self from being manifested here and now. But the promise of this passage, and it's glorious, is that there'll come a time when that true self will be manifested. And so he says, when, when Christ appears... We will appear with him. The word appear there, used in both instances, is uh, the word finerao. And it doesn't just mean to show up when Christ shows up, but it has the connotation of unveiling, of revelation. Finally, when it's unveiled, when everything that obscures the truth is done away, uh, then there'll be the unveiling or the revelation. Some of the translations translated this to reveal. When Christ is revealed, then we will be revealed with him. So it's, there's, there's this unveiling that will happen. And uh, the promise is that when Christ is unveiled, when the true Christ is fully unveiled, then we will be unveiled with him. And now that crypto, you will come out of the closet, so to speak. And you'll be revealed for who you truly are. Taken out of that hiddenness and now manifested to all the world. And, and Paul says that this will happen in glory. Now, some people have this idea that glory refers to heaven. We talk that way sometimes, that you know, they went on to, to glory, uh, or they're on to the glory land, or something like that. Glory is just another word for heaven, but it's not. People think of heaven as something that's way out there, far, far away. You know, we're going to leave the earth and go live somewhere else. But God does not give up on his real estate. He loves this earth, and, and this is going to be our home forever. Every passage that uh, deals with heaven puts it here on earth. Uh, it'll be a perfected earth. 
and we'll be perfected rulers over this earth, but just like we'll still be us, but in a perfected form. So also the earth will still be the earth, but in a perfected form, in a refined form. Glory is not a place someplace far away. It rather is simply turning on the light here. Glory is what happens when, when, when everything that obstructs the true nature of God is, is done away with, and God just is now God. When God shines the way God shines, and when Christ shines the way Christ shines, that is glory. And Paul's promise is that when, when Christ is allowed to shine the way with his true nature, then we will be shining with our true nature because our true nature is entangled with his true nature. It'll be glorious. It, it, glory refers to the shininess, the way shininess and radiance and brilliance of the nature of Christ when it's put on display and no longer obstructed. And so when, when Christ is unveiled and there's this glorious manifestation, they got a peak of this on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, it's brighter than the noonday sun. When the brilliance of Christ is, is, is allowed to shine because everything that obstructs it is, is gone, well, we also will be shining with him because his shininess is our shininess. And so his glory is our glory. And now our crypto self will be brought out of concealing and will be perfectly manifested. Um, the, 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 the implication of this that I want to really get at here today is this. That means, that promise means, since our true self is, is cryptic now, hidden now, it means we have to take great care not to judge what something is based on how it appears, not to judge ourselves on how we appear. The normal fallen way of thinking is to say that you know, the, the character you demonstrate, the things that you do, the things that you say, the attitude that you have, well, that's just that, that defines you. You are this kind of a person because this is what you do. And so we think, well, I, I've always been this way. I've always been petty or I've always been a loser. And so I am a loser. I am petty. I am a sinner. I am this. I am that. And we draw conclusions about ourselves based on how we appear here and now. But knowing that our true self is concealed, is hidden, is obscure, means that that's, the, that's precisely what we can't do. Draw conclusions about ourselves or about anyone else uh, based on what we see. Because... Appearances don't always tell you the whole story. Uh, here's an acorn. Look at this little acorn. It's a glorious acorn. Isn't that a nice acorn? Now, if you didn't know, if you didn't already know about what happens to acorns, you'd never dream that that little thing there, that little tiny nut, would turn into this mighty oak tree. There's just no connection, right? How do you go from there to there? But it happens. And that little acorn is sort of a cryptic oak tree. Crypto tree. That's what an acorn is. Um, and you can't judge what something is based on how it appears. Everything that that tree is right now is, was back there in that acorn. That, that is simply the manifestation of the nature of the acorn. Look at this. This is a little, little something or other. That is a zygote. Uh, newly fertilized, just fertilized uh, human uh, self. There, there it is. And, and then six weeks later or so, you get this. Now, that doesn't look... I mean, 55 years ago, that was me. <laughs> That was you, however old you are. That's what you look like. Uh, you would never, if you didn't already know, you would never think that that's a human being. It turns into this child. Now, everything that that child is, is back there with that little fetus and with that little zygote, microscopic, tiny, pinhead zygote. And yet, there it is. So the zygote and that little fetus is, is, a, is a, a, a crypto human being, a crypto born human being. Uh, but you, if you didn't know it, you would never guess that. Who could have 
that, that little fetus looks more like a tadpole than a beautiful little child. You can't judge what something is, the true nature of something, based on how it appears. Or here's this little larvae. I don't know what it is. I've never liked those things. I mean, they're kind of pretty, but I, I think I remember once when I was a kid, I, I got one in my hair, I knocked it on the ground, and I stepped on it, another sin. And, uh, it, it, and it was, it's, they're gooey, they're like, they're like caramel, it, it, it just freaked me out. I've never liked them. They sort of slug along, you know. But if you didn't know, you would never guess that that would turn into that. Beautiful monarch butterfly. They, they don't look anything like each other. You can't judge what something is based on how it appears, and so it is with us. Our true self is obscure, it's cryptic, it's, it's hidden in, in this vault in heaven that is God, and so our true self is protected, but it's also obscured for a lot of other reasons. Our true self is, is hidden under all the lies that we've ever believed, it's hidden under all the wounds that we've received, it's hidden under all the bad decisions that we've made, all the bad habits that we've cultivated in our mind and in our lives, it's hidden under a lot of scars, it's hinder, hidden under a lot of uh, words that have been said to us and a lot of false thoughts and false images about ourselves. Um, in fact, every thought we think and every feeling we feel and every action we engage in that doesn't reveal the truth of who we are in Christ, that doesn't look like a you version of Jesus, every thought, every feeling, every action is something that conceals the true self. If it's not manifesting the true self, it's concealing the true self. And so our, the true self is buried and so we don't appear the way we really are. You are, you are this morning, I'll tell you, a very good-looking congregation. You look marvelous. You are a good-looking congregation, smart as a whip. Make sure you be sending in questions. We want to get to them. You're, you're, you really look good, some more than others, obviously. But, but you look good. You look good. You're good-looking. But you don't really look glorious. I don't really look glorious. And you probably don't feel glorious. I don't feel glorious. But we will someday, praise God. Someday that will become clear. And it's looking at you, looking at me, doesn't look like Christ is our life. That's not obvious. Um, and yet someday it will be perfectly obvious. It will be as obvious as me standing up here that Christ is our life. I have no idea what that will look like, but we'll be able to just look and say, oh yeah, Christ is his life, Christ is your life, Christ. It'll be obvious. You can't see that now, but we will someday. Uh, right now, looking at you, looking at me, doesn't look like we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, but we are, and someday it will be obvious. Doesn't look like you're, you have the holiness of Jesus Christ. Doesn't look like you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Doesn't quite look like you have the beauty of Jesus Christ. Doesn't look like the power of Jesus Christ is running through you. Doesn't look like the peace of Jesus Christ is enveloping us. Doesn't look like we're dancing with the triune God, but we are. All those things are true right now, but they're hidden. They're obscure. They're buried under a whole lot of surface truth stuff and all sorts of garbage that we've inherited from this world. But someday all that will be burned away, praise God. And then there'll be the unveiling. The great unveiling of the true Christ and the great unveiling of the true us, praise God. No more crypto you, there'll be manifested you, fenerao you, and it will be glorious, praise God. It'll be marvelous. It'll be, just, it'll be mind-bogglingly beautiful. I love what C.S. Lewis says in, in, in The Weight of Glory. Um, great book. He, he says at one point, the, the, the dullest, uh, most base person that you talk to. He says, take care when you are talking to that unintelligent, that, that, that base person. Because you may be talking to somebody who uh, later on will become a creature so beautiful that if it were revealed now, you might be tempted to worship it. 
I think we'll just be, as we look at each other now, we're seeing our, our little acorn self, our little zygote self, our little, our little larvae self, seeing a bunch of larvae here, you know? But when, when the truth is unveiled, I think we'll just be brought to tears, like, that's who you are. That's I, I always saw glimpses of that beautiful you. But wow, you're gorgeous. You're magnificent. And it won't be a prideful thing because it's all about participating in Christ. Seeing the beauty of each other will just be a way of seeing the beauty of Christ reflected in a lot of different ways. But I think we'll be just, just overwhelmed with the beauty of, of, of folks as we see them. When all that's ugly and all that's petty and all that's surfacy, when all that's sinful is burned away, we see the true uh, monarch butterfly, the true oak tree, the true human being, I, I think it'll just be overwhelming. It'll just be gorgeous. When we look at ourselves in the mirror, we'll be going, wow! Yeah, you know, th- that is beautiful. Now, some of you already do that. you got to work on that pride. But, but whatever how beautiful you are now, it's nothing compared to the beauty that will be revealed when Christ appears. You can't judge who you or anyone else is based on how we appear. Now, in fact, I think there's far more difference between who we, how we look now and how we'll look later on. Far more difference between that than there is between an acorn and an oak tree or a zygote and a human being or a larvae and a monarch butterfly. It is going to blow us away. And it'll be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. I'm telling you, it's going to be beautiful. Trust it. I love the way John puts all this. John is just, uh, he says it's so great. One of my favorite passages. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Look at that. See it. Get a vision of this. The great love that the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. Dear children, now we are children. He has to remind him of that. Dear children, you really are children. Children of God. But what 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 we will be has not yet been made known. But we have, we know this. That when Christ appears, fenerao, when he's unveiled, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Uh, Holy Spirit, help us to wake up to the beauty of this passage. See, look, behold, what great love the Father has lavished on us. It's great love. It's not just love, it's great love. This is the love that's revealed on Calvary. It's the love that is manifested when God goes to the furthest extreme he could have possibly have gone, even becoming our sin and our curse in order to liberate us. That's the great love. It's a love without limits. It's a love without qualifications, a love without conditions, a love without parameters, a love that's unsurpassable and unapprovable and unwavering. See, behold, what great love the Father has lavished on us. He didn't just give us a crumb. He didn't just sprinkle us with this love. He lavished it on us, praise God. Uh, we've, been, we've been deluged. We're, we're drowning in the great love of God. And that is what makes us children of God. When God uh, lavishes, pours out, baptizes us in his great love, his Calvary-like love, then we are made children of God. We're not children of God because of our natural birth. We're not children of God because uh, we, we look so good. We're not children of God because we achieve so much. We're not children of God because we have a right to it. We're not children of God because he owes us something. No, we are children of God because when we were yet dead in our sin, Christ died for us. When, when, we, when we were lost, Christ came and rescued us, as we just sang a little bit. Uh, he's the shepherd that goes out and looks for that last of, of the lost sheep. We're children of God because of God's magnificent, unfathomable, beautiful grace, praise God. We're children of God because he's lavished his great love upon us. And then he calls us children. He births us as children by calling us children because of his great love. 
He says, you are a child of mine, and so we are a child of God. That's what John says. He calls us children because we are, in fact, children. God's great love doesn't lead God to uh, just pretend like we're children or to just see us as though we're children. God's great love doesn't cause him to, as I've heard some people say, put on Jesus' spectacles so he can't see our sin. Uh, and and you know, it's like God's got bad eyesight or something. Uh, and, and so he pretends like we're children of God. No. If God says you're a child of God, then you are a child of God. Because God's word creates reality. Out of his great love, unfathomable love, he creates a, a new reality by speaking it. When God says, let there be light, there is light. And when God says, let there be the, the land, there is land. And when God says, let there be the sky, there's sky. God's word in Genesis 1 creates reality. And so when, when God says, let Greg Boyd be a child of God, Greg Boyd is a child of God. And when God says, let Greg Boyd be holy, Greg Boyd is holy. When, when God says, let Greg Boyd have the righteousness of, of Christ, Greg Boyd has the righteousness of Christ. And when God says, let Greg Boyd uh, be filled with my love, Greg Boyd is filled with uh, his love. God's word creates reality. And maybe you're out there listening to me and you're saying, well, you don't look like you're a child of God. You don't look like you're holy. You don't look like you're righteous. You don't look like you're filled with love. My answer to that is, who are you? <laughs> what do you know? You just see an acorn. You, 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 you just see the zygote. You're just looking at the larvae, Greg Boyd. <laughs> but God speaks the real Greg Boyd into existence. If you don't agree with God, take it up with him. Get a lawyer, write Congress. That won't do any good, but do something. Feel free, knock yourself out. But look at it. If, if God be for us, who could be against us? It is God who justifies. Who can lay any charge uh, to God's elect? Praise God. What God says is true because God's the one who says it. He brings it into reality. There's a new reality that is there. It's the true us. It's concealed. I'll grant it's concealed. It's hidden. It's cryptic. It's obscure. I, I grant you, you hang around with me a little bit and you'll see I'm an acorn, not an oak tree. I, I'm not there yet. I'm a work in progress like the rest of us. But see, that doesn't change the reality of the situation. You can't judge who I am based on how I appear. And I can't judge who you are based on how you appear. And I can't judge myself based on how I appear. Uh, fight that worldly, carnal way of thinking where you draw conclusions about yourself based on what you think and what you say and how you feel now. And instead, and don't put your mind on earthly things, those surfacey things, the appearance things. No, set your mind on things above. Where your life is hidden in Christ, where your life is entangled with Christ, where you're seated with Christ, you're one with Christ, and all that is His is given to you. Get that in your mind, fixate on it. It's as we, 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 by faith, grab hold of this, that we begin to move towards it and begin to manifest it more and more and more. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. And then John says, uh, he says, uh, it's, it's not yet clear. It had not yet been made known what we shall be. We're children of God. We know that. He says, he's basically saying, we can't imagine uh, what we're going to look like when this process is finished. It hasn't yet been made known what we shall be. We can't imagine. When everything is burned away, everything that, that, that conceals the truth is burned away, and the truth is manifested, we can't even begin to imagine what that will look like, how beautiful, how glorious that will be. Here's part of the reason is that, you see, we, we've, we've seen acorns turn to oak trees before, so we're not impressed with that any longer. We've seen zygotes turn into walking children, and, and so we're not impressed with that anymore. Or, or the larvae turn into the monarch butterfly. So it no longer surprises us, it no longer overwhelms us. We're used to it. Although, if you wake up, you'll see the beauty in it as though for the first time. But, you know, it's, it's no longer surprising. But see, we've never seen, we've never seen ourselves 
go through this process. This is our first time. Uh, This is our first crack at this. In fact, it's our only crack at this. And remember that the story that we're a part of is an everlasting story. It's an eternal adventure. We are, human beings begin at a certain point in time, but they never end. And so, uh, at least they're never supposed to end. And so we're part of a story that goes on. We're in the first nanoseconds of a story that will never end. All the more reason why we can't judge what we shall be based on how we appear right now. The other night when we showed Father of Lights, it was a marvelous documentary and it was an incredible, powerful night. Um, but we had uh, the, the producer of uh, the, the movie brought his grandmother up here and uh, I just wanted to kind of brag on her a little bit. And she's a 97-year-old lady who bounced up these stairs like she was 40. It was just it was like, wow, 97, going on 50. It's marvelous. And we think 97 is so old. Like, ooh, that's old. Very few of us will make it that, that long. 97, that's incredible. But 97 years, or 107, or 707, or 7,000 years, is, is a nanosecond compared to eternity. See, we're, we're just getting started. So don't judge yourself based on how you look right now. You're just getting started. I, we're just getting warmed up. Uh, we're not even, we're still in the womb, as it were. We have not even really birthed in reality yet. It's, it, it, it's, it's just, the program's just getting off the ground. We are right now little acorn cells. See, that little acorn couldn't fathom. No way that acorn could fathom that it would someday be this oak tree. That little acorn, so tiny and vulnerable, a squirrel could gobble it up in a second. We never dreamed that it would become this oak tree that would be so solid and firm and withstand the wind. And far from being threatened by squirrels, would be the home for squirrels. But see, we right now are little acorn cells. Little acorn cells. And we're acorn cells in this fallen world. And so we're acorn cells that... That, that struggle with all sorts of sin, and we struggle with bondages, and we struggle with, with addictions, we struggle with attitudes, we struggle with, 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 we've made progress, and I hope we keep making progress, but we have in our hearts uh, maybe a lust and, 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 and hatred and animosity and jealousy and coveting. We're little acorn selves in a fallen world. And see, if this world was all there was, if this life was all there was, well, then we'd have to include that that's just who we are. If this was it, well, that's who we are. But we know that that's not the truth. We know that this is the first nanosecond of a story of an adventure that never, never ends. And uh, we're just getting started. So don't judge yourself based on how you appear right now. Remember, little acorn, that you are a cryptic oak tree. And someday you're going to manifest that true oak tree self. Someday you'll, you'll have no more struggles. Someday you'll be freed from those bondages. You will be because you're really freed right now. You're just an acorn that doesn't know it yet. Someday there'll be no more of the chains on you and someday you're going to manifest the perfect holiness of Jesus Christ because you have it right now. You're just an acorn self that doesn't realize it yet. But someday, Fenerao, when you are manifested with the glory of Jesus Christ, there'll be no more of those struggles, no more of that pain, no more of that heartache. So keep your mind fixed on that. Okay, That is who you really are. Don't define yourself based on how you presently are. Never say to yourself, I'm an addict, I'm a loser, I'm a sinner. No, you're, you're, you're a child of God who has addictions, a child of God who's got the bondages, but that doesn't define you. Christ defines you. And someday we're going to see that with perfect clarity. We're, 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 that little zygote could never fathom that it would be this child born out of the womb and walking around, laughing, talking, thinking, loving. That little fetus... Doesn't even have legs yet. Doesn't even have arms yet. Got little kind of beady eyes, but he's got no idea of of, of uh, who she is. Could not fathom it. And so also we are right now, little zygote selves. We're zygotes of eternity. We're just 
We've just been birthed recently. We've just been uh, seated recently. We're born from above, but it's very recent. And, and we're just getting warmed up. And so we're zygotes in this fallen world, so we sometimes struggle with feelings of insignificance or feeling like we're not important or that we're, we don't mean much to anybody and we haven't done much with our life and we're, life's a disappointment and we have all sorts of regrets and maybe all sorts of fears and we have a feeling of emptiness. And if this life was all there was, well, then we have to conclude that that's just who you are. That's just, that's just the way it is. Yeah, life sucks, but that's the only thing we got going. Deal with it. But see, we know that this is not all there is. In fact, we know that this is just the tip of the iceberg. We know that we're just getting started. Uh, and, 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 and someday, I mean, never forget, little zygote, that you are, you are a crypto human being. And someday, someday, uh, the true you is going to be manifested in, in that time. Hold on to this promise. See this promise. Behold the Father's great love that he's lavished on you. Someday you're going to shine. And, and your true significance, your infinite significance will be manifested. Uh, your true importance will be manifested. You mean more to God than you could possibly imagine. You mean more to the kingdom than you could possibly imagine. You're going to be a queen or a king ruling upon a perfected earth. Uh, your significance is found in, in, in the love of Jesus Christ. Your identity is found in the love of Jesus Christ. And someday that will become clear. Someday the true you will be shining forth like the noonday sun. And it will be brilliant and it will be glorious and you'll be anything but empty and feeling insignificant. No, you're going to be perfectly full. Grab hold of that. Lay hold of that. Get that in your mind. Set your mind on that. We're little larvae right now. We're larvae. That'll help your self-esteem. It will help your self-esteem if you put in the big picture. We're larvae now, but we know that's not our true nature. And that little larvae could not possibly have dreamed. Slugging along, eating some, some leaves, worried about birds coming and gobbling it up. Could never dream that someday it would be flying around, displaying with beautiful wings its, its beautiful nature. And so also, we are just larvae right now. And we're larvae who struggle with all sorts of wounds. You know, we, our, our identity is all mixed up with all sorts of lies. We, some of us have had abuse that, that scars us or neglect that scars us. We've been used. Uh, people have treated you like a handkerchief, used you and thrown you away. Uh, some of us have, have just been betrayed and, and, and abandoned. And so there's scars there that, that put up self-protective mechanisms and we have trouble letting people on the inside. We live, our life is hidden because we have a little fortress and, and, and we're too afraid to let people really on the inside. Sometimes people sabotage relationships as soon as they start to get close because of this, this, this fear that is there. And if this life was all there is, then you just have to say, well, sorry, but you're just a wounded person. You're just damaged goods. That's how it's always going to be. But we know that that's not the case. We know that this is, this is the beginning of a story that will never end. And he that begun a good work in you will see it through to the end. And the promise of this passage is that you will not always have those scars. You will not always have those wounds. You will not always have that fear. You will not always have those regrets. The truth is you're free from them already. You just have trouble accepting that. Because your old autopilot damaged brain keeps on working the way it's been working. But the promise of God is that someday the you that's entangled with Christ is going to be manifested. And it's going to be glorious. Someday the you that is seated with, in, with Christ in heavenly places will be manifested. Now you feel like you're in bondage to these pains and these wounds and the sin. But the truth is that you're seated infinitely above those pains and that wound and that sin. And someday you're going to know it and someday we're all going to know it because it's going to be perfectly obvious. Praise God. And, and someday you're going to manifest the wholeness of Christ, the healing of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the joy of Christ, as you're dancing with, in the triune God with others in the bride of Christ. And it will be glorious when everything that obstructs the truth is done away with. All the pain, the wound, and the sin is done away with. 
We're going to shine with the brilliance of 10 trillion suns, and it will be glorious, mind-boggling, beautiful, fantastic, stupendous. Uh, And our job is to grab hold of that now and believe on it now and get a picture of it now. We can't fully grasp it, of course. It goes beyond anything we can imagine. The eye has seen or the ear has heard or it's never entered into the imagination of a human being what God has in store for those who love him. But as much as possible, get a picture that points in that direction and envision it and internalize it. And the final thing I'll say, and then we'll get to some questions, is that John says, all who have this hope purify themselves because he is pure. And see, what what he's saying is this. We won't perfectly put on display our true nature until Christ comes and, and, and uh, manifests his, his true nature. When God wraps this whole thing up, we'll never perfectly put it on display. But we're not supposed to wait around for that to happen. Like, oh, I just got to sit here in my wounded self, my bonded self until, until that happens. No. Our job is to put on display now as much as possible all that will be true then. This is the kingdom mandate. And... Uh, and so John says, purify yourself. Now, some of us have screwy ideas about purity. Uh, pur- purify can get associated with sort of puritanical. And so we get a, a kind of a prissy, rule-oriented picture of what it means to purify yourself. But actually, the word just means to distill down to something's true nature. When you purify gold, you burn away everything that's not gold in order to get nothing but gold. That's what it is to purify yourself. Christ already is pure, undiluted. God stuff. Pure, undiluted joy of God, peace of God, love of God, character of God. And since that's who he is, and our life, our true life, is entangled with his, well, then we are to purify ourselves. Burn away, be in the process of burning away everything that's inconsistent with that identity in Christ. And so we're to burn away everything in our mind and burn away everything in our actions that conceal the truth of who we are, that, that dilute at present who we truly are. And we do that by the renewing of our mind, and we do it by the disciplines of our life. And this, uh, folks, again, is what faith is all about. It starts with faith. If you can't see it, you'll never become it. If you can't envision it being manifest, well, then it will never happen in your, in your behavioral life. And so faith is seeing as a substantial reality who you look like when you are manifesting this. Faith is about the acorn getting a kind of a glimpse of the oak tree that it will become. Faith is about that, that zygote getting a sort of a glimpse, some idea. You can't fully grasp it, of course, but at least it points in that direction of the beauty of the child that you already are encrypted. Uh, it's about the larvae getting some idea, a revelation of the monarch that you will become. Uh, we're to get a picture of that and then download it into your life now. What do you look like when you're in those situations where you tend to lose it? and most, act most ungodly. What if you were acting like the, the, the monarch butterfly that you actually are? If you act like the oak tree that you actually are? And, and you see it, you envision it, day in, day out, and then as you look for opportunities to step into it, they're there, they're all around us, boom, you try that on. What do I, okay, i got to remember, I'm an oak tree, now respond to that situation as an oak tree would. And so you look for opportunities to manifest the love of Christ. You serve like Christ. You sacrifice like Christ. You participate in the body like Christ. Uh, you start doing it. You do it in your head. You do it in the outside world. And that's how we're transformed with ever-increasing glory. One degree of glory to another, Paul says. Uh, and to begin to manifest now what is true later on. What will be manifested as true later on. And the beauty of that is what attracts people to the kingdom. I want some of that. People are hungry for this. And uh, that's how the kingdom expands. All right. Let's uh, get a couple questions here. What do we got? What do we got?
Is Christ and the church's coming to glory a momentary event or a process? Very good. It's a process now that will be consummated in a moment. Right? So the, this process of purifying ourselves is uh, what we do now. This is why we, we don't just sit around on our butts and wait for it to happen. No, we, we are to, in our thoughts and in our life to always be burning away all that's inconsistent. It's a process. But it's not, we're gonna, it's not like we're going to evolve into this you know, in, in, in a kind of gradual way. We evolve into this, but there's coming a time, as the New Testament portrays it, when he's going to return. There's this unveiling that will be sudden. It's like we're, we're building the kingdom now, but we're not going to just slowly bring the kingdom throughout the world. No, there'll come a time where, where Jesus is going to return and everything that's incomplete will be made complete. And that's when everything inconsistent with God's nature will be burned up. And so what is, is left is the world and every person in the world uh, that is consistent with Christ, that reflects the glory of, of Christ. This is, by the way, and I may talk about this next week, I don't know, but this is what gives me a great deal of hope. Uh, if I had to depend on, if I thought that, that we're supposed to just make the world more and more Christian and it finally will bring about the kingdom of God through our efforts, I'd be pretty discouraged because it doesn't look like we're making a lot of progress. In fact, honestly, the world seems like, to me, it's getting worse. Uh, this is what Christians used to think uh, when they thought they're going to conquer the world in Jesus' name and, and make the whole world Christian, and, and that's how the kingdom of God we brought about. And as you know, it produced a history of incredibly ungodly things because they end up trying to force uh, the world to convert rather than displaying a beauty that makes people want to convert. Uh, but see, I, 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 I know that our job is to manifest, not, not for utilitarian purposes, but just out of faithfulness, to manifest as much of our true self as we can and to put on display the glory of God. But we know that the world's not going to just evolve into this. No, it, it, uh, we may end up getting crucified like Christ did. But there'll come a time when he comes back, and that's when, that's when, in this momentary process, the full unveiling will happen of the Christ's true nature and then of our true nature entangled with Christ and it will be glorious. Excellent question. Next one. How can heaven be on earth if we are here on earth now and people that have died have gone to heaven? Very good. Excellent. Well, here's the thing. Uh, this, this intermediate state between death and the final coming, and the resurrection, it's very ambiguous in the New Testament. Uh, people have a lot of different opinions about that, like what happens to you when you die. And there are, are, are some folks who hold that when you die, you're just dead, and um, nothing happens. You're, you're gone until Christ, uh, until you're raised on the last day. And that's what most Jews believed. Although some held that uh, at the time of Christ, that the soul somehow goes on existing, even though the body is in the ground. Uh, and yet, uh, that their hope wasn't in what happens to the person immediately after they die. Uh, their hope was in the final resurrection. The New Testament, the good news is about the, the resurrection at the end of the age. And when Christ comes and sets up his kingdom, all of our hope is, is there. Um, and I think Paul, in a couple of places, does indicate a belief that souls continue to exist after death. Um, and so he talks about that in Second uh, Corinthians 5, that he'll go to be with the Lord. But even there he says, but I'll be naked, longing to be clothed. And he's talking about his body. He'll be disembodied. Uh, and so it's not complete until our souls and bodies are, are brought together. But there's very little interest in that. So I wouldn't really call that heaven. 
Now, I, I, you know, I'm not going to get legalistic about that or whatever, but it's not heaven in any kind of final state. A great book on this, by the way, is N.T. Wright's book, Surprised by uh, Hope. Is that it? Surprised by Hope? Um, and and he, he, he really goes after this, this uh, really a platonic idea that when people die, the good news is that now they're, that now they're in heaven, and that's the final state. So that we'll never, we'll always be disembodied, and we'll just kind of float around in the clouds, shooting Cupid arrows and playing harps and whatever. Uh, no, the good news is always embodied news. And so whatever happens in the spiritual realm with, with people who have died, uh, that's not the heaven that will be the eternal state. The eternal state happens when, he, when the Lord comes back, purifies the world with the fire of his love, purifies all of us, and, and, and uh, all the wood and hay and stubble is burned up, but what survives is refined gold. And that's what goes on for eternity. Got time for one more. Love the questions, you guys. Really good. One more. 20 seconds. Come on. Is that it? It's showing from, from last service. Well, we don't want to waste a whole minute. Lord forbid that I would ever quit early. Well, I guess that's it. All right. Uh, okay, good. Uh, I just encourage us. Final word is to set our minds on things above. If we don't practice this, it doesn't do us any good. You're sitting on a gold mine, and you're not cashing in on it. Uh, set your mind, set your heart on things above, which is simply to say that what is true about you. Uh, whatever it takes to remind yourself, because we, we, we're creatures of habit, and so we get a flow and a momentum in our life um, that, that uh, needs to be changed. And it's hard. It's hard to create new habits of thought. So post-it notes. You know, I get them all over the place. Here's a post-it note. I, I, I just... Whatever it takes, reminders on your, your, your phone, or, or it's best of all to have relationships with people that are doing it with you. And you can remind each other once in a while, encourage one another. Hey, how's it going? What kind of things are you dreaming? You know what? And the other thing is, it's fun. It's, it's fun. I just sit and dream the dream. See yourself. And, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you as you're driving. Turn off the stupid radio. We, listen, we have too much garbage going into our head. Get some time. There's some good time there to be with Christ and, and use it to, to get a vision of yourself and, and, just, and put that into situations where you're least Christ-like. And just watch that. Enjoy watching the movies. And watch what that does to you. Some of you I have found this, where when you envision that, it activates something. You've got a kingdom heart that goes, yes. See, that's at leg cost. And, and there's a joy in that. And then as you're walking with that in your mind, you'll find an opportunity here and there to start stepping into that, to act like the oak tree that you are. Uh, the, to put on display the, the tru- truth about you. And, and all, all the time around us, there's opportunities to love. Every person you see is an opportunity to love, at least to bless them, and, and to serve, and to sacrifice for people, and to participate in the body of Christ, and, and, and to pray. And all, It's always there. Have it on your mind. Don't go, don't go secular villain in your brain. No, it, keep your mind fixed, set on things above. And uh, that is what transforms us from one degree of glory to another. Praise God. Anyone have any questions? Yeah, here we go. How, what do we do when we realize the deep truth and pray earnestly for it, but it doesn't show up? How do we know this is actually the deep truth? Thank you. Very good question. Well, uh, look, this is, this is not magic. Uh, there's no, it's, it's not like a deal where if I pray this and then it's got to show up or, uh, you know, kind of a contract like that. Um, if you're praying and thinking and earnestly doing the, the, the discipleship of faith, don't worry about whether it shows up or not. You've done your part. Your job, in fact, you are already manifesting it by the fact that you're praying and thinking and, and, and envisioning that. Right? So 
we should never enter into uh, kingdom disciplines as a deal, trying to get something. And I'm not saying that the person who asked the question was thinking that way, but often we do. It's like, if I do this, well, then here's what I expect in return. No, no, our job is just to be faithful. Now, I guarantee you that as you do this over the long haul, then, then you do manifest more of your true self. But understand that this is not magic. It's a process. And however old you are, you've had that many years to practice thinking and feeling and acting the other way. You've been programmed by the world. That's not, or that's not done away with overnight. No, this is a task that will be going on the rest of our life. And, uh, and so be faithful in engaging in uh, kingdom disciplines, whether, some, whether you get anything back or not. How do you know it's the deep truth? That was the other part of the question. The Word of God. Uh, and Jesus is the ultimate criteria. Uh, if it's consistent with Jesus, the character of Jesus, and the things that are said about you in the New Testament, that's deep truth. Uh, and so whatever conforms to the image of Christ, accept that as deep truth. Whatever doesn't, uh, is, is, that's just garbage from the outside world that we need to be stripping away. Uh, and as you go down this walk, you'll, you'll, you'll see glimpses of that oak tree. Glimpses. Um, and sometimes it's three steps, steps forward, two steps backward. Uh, but never get discouraged because you're not seeing enough of it. Just keep on pressing on. Keep on thinking. Keep on living. Keep on acting. And do it in community with others. Excellent. Uh, another question. We've got time for one or two more. Why did God choose to hide us away instead of revealing the trueness of ourselves 2,000 years ago? Well... For one thing, we weren't born until recently. And so, um, uh, and, you know, there, there's people, he, he has a, I, I, I suspect he's got a, a bride, you know, he's, he's coming to get a bride. And, uh, I, I, it seems to me, as I read scripture, that he's looking for a bride of a certain configuration, if you will. Uh, and uh, he has got in mind, I think, a certain number of people or something, I don't know, it, it, I, he's looking for something, but... That's why we don't know the criteria. We don't, so we just have to patiently wait for him to return. Um, but uh, he's got a plan for world history, and it's about cultivating a people, cultivating a bride, and he'll know when the time is right, and that's when he'll return and then unveil his true self and unveil the true nature of the bride. Uh, but see, the process is part of the point. Again, this isn't, this, is, this isn't magic. Nothing in the Bible is magic. And we sometimes would like a magic wand and, and to have it all done right away. But... God treats us as people. That's why, that's why he doesn't instantly change us. He works with us. He wants us to freely yield to him. And um, he, he, he's not coercive. Uh, he, he gently woos us. He respects our person. He respects our freedom. And so he's, he, he works with us as people, and that takes time. It'd be a lot easier if he just waved his magic wand, but God, that's the one thing God doesn't do. And so he's working with all of humanity that way. And, um, uh, and so it's a process. You see this even going on throughout the Old Testament. Like God is, little by little, taking humanity, revealing things about himself. He acquiesces. He meets us halfway. Uh, that's why the Old Testament looks so different from some of the stuff you find in the New Testament. But it's God meeting us where we're at to bring us to a next level. He does with humanity what he does with us all individually. Meeting us where we're at in order to bring us to a next level and a next level and a next level. And there'll come a time when he says, okay, objective for world history achieved. And that's when he wraps it all up, and then the truth is unveiled. Excellent question. Got time for one more, I think. If my identity in Christ is concealed, how can I change that? Well, precisely because it's not entirely concealed, we have the revelation of who you truly are here in the New Testament. Um, 
Actually, no, I, I think I could better say it this way. You can't change that. You don't need to change that. Why would you want to change that? Your identity in Christ, that's given to you by the Father lavishing his great love on you. And that's given to you because the Father speaks. And uh, when God, the Father speaks, reality is created. So your identity is hidden in God. That's what it means to say it's not, it can't be changed. It's settled. It's there. It's resolved. Uh, so you can't change that. Well, you can change. And you can't change this either on your own. But working with the Spirit, you can't change how much is manifested. And um, that is about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, practicing faith day in and fa- day out, envisioning as a concrete reality what you look like, stepping into it in every opportunity you have. And the more you do that, the more of the true uh, you comes out, the more that old self that's already dead gets recognized as dead, the more liberated you get, the more free you get, the more love you put on display, the more Christ-like you look, the more joyful you feel, the more peace is in your heart, the less you get disturbed by things in the world, the more confidence you have about things, the less you fear death, the less you fear the devil, the less you fear anything, the more hooray you get in your relation with God, and you're on your way to glory land. Hallelujah. All right. All right. If faith begins in the mind and there is uh, a great importance on controlling our thoughts, what about those with mental health issues? Whether mild or severe, it seems like a cruel hindrance. Got it. It is a cruel hindrance. Um, yeah, I, I, let me say this. Uh, on the one hand, first of all, we've all got mental issues. <laughs> we do. Uh, we're, we're damaged. Uh, we, we have this category of people who are mentally healthy and uh, those who are not. Well, actually, none of us are. Uh, we're not. Um, it's, so this is a question for all of us. But there is a special category, you know, we, we might say, of people who have got especially chemical imbalances in the brain, which, which cause them to, um, uh, the brains not to function the way or anything close to the way that God had intended brains to function. And it's just part of what it is to be born in this fallen world. Um, uh, we're all born, and this is what original sin is. It's not that anyone's born guilty, but we're... we're the, the, the corrupting influence of the powers that oppress this world get into the very fabric of reality. And so everything is screwed up. Everything, to some degree, is screwed up. Uh, and so we're born screwed up. And some people are, are manifest a screwed upness in their bodies. They're, they're, they're not born with the right kind of bodies. Uh, some, something's missing. Or some people are born with some things in the mind not operating the way they're supposed to operate. We're all born spiritually jaded. Uh, being godly doesn't come natural to anybody. And it, it takes about a year of living uh, to, before you manifest that. <laughs> you see, with the kids, it's like, you know, no one taught my granddaughter that behavior, and yet there it is. Um, it's because we're, we're born with just kind of our, 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 in a jaded way. But for those who've got what we classify as mental health issues, I'll just say this, that it is a hindrance. Uh, and do what you can to correct that, both through prayer and um, uh, get whatever medical attention you need. Uh, you know, if, if you get medical help to uh, chemically adjust the brain, uh, you, you're not doing anything different than, than anyone else does when they take medication to help an upset stomach or, or to get rid of a headache or, or neck pain or whatever. Um, the brain is a physical organism, and it runs on physical processes. So if those physical processes aren't operating right and there's something that, that you can do to level the playing field, then do that. Uh, they don't, you shouldn't have any guilt about that. And there's just kind of a stigma among Christians about that, but you shouldn't have that. Uh, don't feel bad about that. And then just know this, that 
it, it may be more challenging in some respects for you to do this, but do the best you can. So all you can do is do the best you can. Be as disciplined as you can. Be careful about ever using your disability as an excuse. Because we all have a disability and we could use it as an excuse. But see, if you do that, it's just another way of saying, this is who I am. No, this is, this is your acorn damaged self in a fallen world, but this is not who you are. Who you are is that. And so do the best you can at envisioning that and grabbing hold of that. And, um, um, and God understands. And just remind yourself, God understands. Uh, none of us are, are created equal in, in terms of what we have. Uh, we all have our own issues, and God is the only one who can see through all of that and understands. It's not a level playing field, one bar. One, you know, we're all graded on a curve because God knows uh, what you have to work with. And he's in there just saying, come on, we, we, we can manifest more of the true self. Uh, so be careful about ever using that as an excuse. Another, that's the balance here. On the one hand, don't say, oh, that's just who I am. I've got the disability. No, you do the best with what you got. You may have OCD or schizophrenia or whatever, and that may make it a little bit difficult, but do the best you can with that. Uh, on the other hand, um, uh, and, and, and give yourself grace. Don't judge who you are based on how things appear. And know that God understands. On the other hand, never use it as, as an excuse because uh, that's just a way of, you, know, you want to make progress. And sometimes, once in a while, people find that a disability is actually an advantage. For example, if people with OCD, if you ever get, get OCD about the truth of who you are, now you've got a great advantage. I'd love for people to be obsessive about their identity in Christ. I can't stop thinking about my identity in Christ and how beautiful I'm going to look. And I just, I just always am thinking about that. That's good. You've got a big advantage there. I actually knew a person was like that. I'm a little bit like that, actually. I get kind of obsessive. So that's good. All right, uh, time for one or two more. At least one more. Maybe Let's do one more. Uh, what's the difference between what you are saying and new age positive thinking? Jesus. Uh, that's it, Jesus. That was quick. Yeah, see, uh, there is, uh, there's always truth mixed up with error. If someone's pure error, it would never be tempting. Um, and, and so th- there's, there, there's a truth that is out there. People tap into a truth. The truth is that um, uh, as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. According to your faith, be it unto you. What you see in your head uh, determines the direction of your life. That's all true. Uh, now, that can be used for good or evil. Everything in our life, every truth can be used for good or evil. Imagination has tremendous power to do the good, but can also be used for evil. And, um, and so there, there's, there's, there's some truth there. Uh, but what the enemy would love us to do is to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And Christians have been suckers for this from day one. If there's a little bit of truth mixed up with something, you throw the whole thing away. And so there's Christians out there who say, oh, we shouldn't you know, be talking about our imagination. That's New Age. You know? But no, imagination is just how you think. You can't think about someone that you love right now who is not in front of you without imagining them. Uh, what color is your bedroom? Yeah, you just use your imagination, you pagans. So <laughs> anyway, that's how we access information. So uh, yeah, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. The truth is, is never defined by what we feel or anything like that. It's defined by Jesus Christ who is the perfect revelation of the one true God and the perfect revelation of who we are when our life is identified uh, in, under God's reign. All right. I'm going to end with prayer. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up here. And if you have any need whatsoever that you could uh, be prayed for, come up here and pray with these folks. They would love to uh, help you in that area. And remember that during the worship time, one of the reasons we worship together is because there's a power uh, in corporate worship. And we have prayer warriors around the auditorium and uh, it's a good time to, in the middle of worship, if you have something on your heart, go and pray with them. Uh, we just seem to be shy about that. 
And I'm encouraging us to get over that shyness. Abba, Father, thank you for making us your children. Thank you for lavishing your love on us. God, for just deluging us in your love and calling us your children and creating us as your children, dying to make us your children. And Father, now we are your children. I pray to God for anybody here who has not yet accepted that and uh, who's resisting that. I pray they'd surrender right now so that that could be activated in their life. We are your children, but it's not yet clear what we shall be, but we know that when you appear, we shall be like you. And with that hope, God, we purify ourselves. Help us, God, Holy Spirit, remind us day in and day out to be purifying the images in our mind, the way we think about and envision ourselves. And God, help us to be setting our mind on the truth, on whatever is good and holy and pure and right in Jesus Christ. And God, help us be purging out of our mind everything inconsistent with that. Father, just grow the acorns into oak trees right now. Father, be growing the zygotes into full-born human beings. God, be growing the larvae into the beautiful monarchs, which we already are. Help us to embrace it by faith and live it out in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... God bless you guys. Go out and fly like a monarch that you are.